Well, hello there, Dr. Nicole here. I am thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, you'll gain access to a vast subscription library filled with documentary films, web series, mind and body fitness programs, workshops, and courses covering fertility to parenting and everything in between. A few of my favorite titles are The Business of Being Born, Empowered Mama, Belly Dance for Birth, Ease into Sleep, The Afterbirth Plan, and The Core Connection. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can gain full access absolutely free. Just visit informedpregnancy.tv to sign up. Get Informed Pregnancy Plus right now for your informed and empowered parenting journey, all from the comfort of your home. Visit informedpregnancy.tv. Again, that's informedpregnancy.tv. Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. This is a really beautiful birth story with Charlotte that demonstrates such strength during a difficult pregnancy and birth of a child with complex medical needs. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. 
Hello, hello, hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 202. Whether this is your first time tuning into the podcast or you are a returning listener, I am so glad that you are spending a bit of your time with me today. Pregnancy is supposed to be this wonderful, magical time, but for Charlotte, it was characterized by grief and mourning since they were not sure if her baby would survive after birth. When she was pregnant, their daughter was diagnosed with something called Pentology of Cantrell. I'd actually never heard of this before. I had to look it up. It's a collection of five congenital midline birth anomalies, happens in about 5.5 in 1 million live births. And her daughter also had Tetralogy of Fallot, which is also a rare heart condition that happens about 20,000 births a year. And Charlotte is here to share her story of how she learned about this news just one week before the cutoff date to have an abortion. She ultimately chose to carry the pregnancy to term despite knowing the risk and despite not knowing whether or not her baby would survive. Now I'm going to give it away and say that her miracle baby did survive despite being born without a complete sternum and her heart was partially outside of her chest. She is now a thriving toddler and doing great, although she will always have certain unique health challenges. Charlotte has some truly wise words of advice for anyone who's going through a high-risk pregnancy or facing something that you weren't expecting during your pregnancy. Just really wise words of advice for anyone having a baby. So you are definitely going to learn something from this really powerful episode. Now, Charlotte is actually a member of my online childbirth education class, the Birth Preparation Course. If you're not familiar, the Birth Preparation Course is my signature program that gets you calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful birth. Now, although the Birth Preparation Course is not designed for these complex circumstances like this, she actually enrolled in the course before she knew what was going to happen with her pregnancy. One of the great things about the course is that you get lifetime access when you join. So even though for this pregnancy, the content of the course was not quite as applicable, although some parts actually were, for all future pregnancies, she'll have access to any updated content inside of the course. Um, again, for any future pregnancies that she has. And that's the same for anyone who joins the birth preparation course. Uh, it's really important to me to give lifetime access. So you don't have to keep buying childbirth education over and over again. It's really important and something that you should have nice access to. So you can check out all of the birth preparation course details at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. All right, let's get into the birth story with Charlotte. So Charlotte, thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I'm really um, grateful and excited that you decided to reach out and share your story because I know it's going to help someone today. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Rankins. You know, I'm I'm really thrilled to be here. I've actually been listening to your podcast for a few years. So oh, wow. I've had your your voice in my ears so much. I feel like I'm meeting with an old friend. <laughs> so it's really fun to be talking to you directly like this. And I, you I know, I'm it. a big fan of your, your work. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your family? Sure. So um, my name's Charlotte. Um, I live with my husband, Paul, and our daughter, Amaya, in San Diego. Oh, 
that's a pretty name. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm from Seattle originally. Um, I met my husband when we were both living in Washington, D.C., where okay. he's from. Okay. Uh, we were both doing an AmeriCorps program together. Ah. Um, yeah, so. But now you're, you're a West Coast person. Yeah, we've been all <laughs> over. <laughs> um, I have uh, my master's degree in nutrition science from Bastyr University in Washington State. Um, and then after I finished my best, my master's program, my husband and I moved to San Diego, um, where I was placed to do my dietetic, um, internship at the VA hospital in San Diego. Okay. So, okay. um, yeah, so we thought we would just be here for a year, you know, for this program. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people just end up staying in San Diego. We have the beach, we got the sunshine. Mm-hmm. So, um, we ended up liking it and now we've been here for four years. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, nice, and nice, I nice, huh? I work as a registered dietitian in a um, just amazing maternal and child health center. So we have um, kind of wraparound services there. So I'm on a, a team where we have, you know, OBs. So we have people getting their prenatal care. Uh-huh. We have pediatricians, social services, dental care, dietitians. So um, I really... Oh, all in the same place? Yes. That's yeah. really cool. It's great. Yes. It's, it's the way it should be. I was getting ready know? to say 100%. So like <laughs> the, uh, you can go down the hall to go see the dietitian or you know yep. who to refer to. Exactly. Exactly. I, I have, you know, newborns who haven't had their, you know, um, weight check in a while with their pediatrician. So I can just call my my pediatrician right, friends, you right, know. So right. it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful team to be on. Although I am on a, um, a family leave right now to take care of my daughter. Sure. So I'll get into that more yeah, soon. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I love my job. It's really special to be kind of in the same life stage as my patients, too, mm-hmm. as my own family has grown mm-hmm. recently. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, in 2021, we had our beautiful baby daughter, Amaya, and she's a year and a half old now. And, and um, now we're going to, we're going to get into the story. Of yeah. How <laughs> so let's start off. I always, um, like to talk about, as you know, as a listener that, uh, in order to understand what the birth was like, we got to talk a bit about what the pregnancy was like, and yours is going to be a little bit different for sure. But let's start off with a bigger overview of what was your pregnancy and prenatal care like in general? I had this kind of unique experience from going to a very, from a very, very low risk pregnancy to a very high risk pregnancy Mm -hmm. kind of overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So my pregnancy originally was just so normal, you know, deeply desired. We were really ready for a baby. I had, you know, pretty bad nausea at first, but um, nothing really an uncomplicated pregnancy. (laughs) Um, I originally started my prenatal care at a group practice where I had seen a nurse practitioner and okay. So I think she would have been only able to see me into, up until a certain point in my pregnancy, and okay. then I would switch to one of her colleagues. But I, I just adored her. We had a good good connection, mm-hmm. so I was fine with that. It, you know, it was just a really fun time of life, finding out I was pregnant, and yeah. it was the COVID era, so, um, and, you know, working in healthcare, I was taking that pretty seriously, sure. but we had a lot of fun doing very elaborate announcements on Zoom Aww. for our families, and um a lot of my best friends were getting pregnant around the same time. Right, and right. it was just a nice, nice time of life. Nice, so um, nice. So then how did things go from low risk to high risk? Yes. So um, I was just last night in preparation trying to like remember the timeline. Mm-hmm. So I had been scheduled originally for my anatomy ultrasound in my second trimester. Okay. Um, 
But remember that I work at a maternal and child health center right. where we have OBs doing ultrasounds. Right. So, right. you know, I'm kind of a shy person, but one of my coworkers asked one of the doctors if she could scan me at work okay. just to kind of just really just, to just see the sex of the baby. And, yeah. Just to check in mm-hmm. and, and do and see the sex. And right. I was like, oh, should I wait? But remember, you know, it was the COVID era. My husband wasn't allowed in any of these appointments with me. Uh-huh. So um, I was... I was like, let's just find out. Okay. Let's just find out at work right. where I can have some company. Right. Um, so we all piled into this little patient exam room. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my my coworkers and myself and the doctor scanned me and she told me she was about 90% sure it was a girl. Okay. So I, you know, I was thrilled. I cried some happy tears. Right. And the sex is really not that important to me, but just any little bit of information I could, I could find sure. right, about this mysterious little little creature inside sure, me. <laughs> sure. um so you know the doctor was scanning me i i thought i'd be ready to go any minute um but she kept scanning me mm. minutes were passing my coworkers started to trickle out they had to go back to work um and there was just silence you know and the doctor was frowning and silence and i asked you know is everything okay mm. and gosh Dr. Ringgitz, I don't even remember what she said. Like, I, I think I blacked out, but obviously there was something wrong with my baby's heart and, and something pretty severe. Right. So I just stumbled out of that room and like I was in an alternate universe, I just kept seeing my patients the rest of that day. Oh my God. You know, my, my coworkers asked me if I wanted to go home, but I, I don't know. I, I don't even know how I was feeling. I just wanted to kind of put my head down and get right. through the rest of the day. Right. And So you don't even <sighs> remember the exact word because it just hits you with like, what's happening I don't remember I'll have to reach out to that doctor no no ask. no I mean I think sometimes that's what happens you just you yeah. just um I, I you know in hindsight I remember when I was told that my daughter had an intestinal malformation on ultrasound I, I don't remember what she said yeah. <laughs> like you, something about it just like it just kind of hits you yeah. and at that moment were your co-workers still in the room or had they all left or um I think a few were definitely one one coworker um, was uh-huh. who I'm closer to. Sure. So, and I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that I wasn't hearing that news alone. Right. Like I would have if I had waited for my anatomy that ultrasound. Right. That is true. And so she says that, and you hear, baby has a a heart problem. A heart problem. Okay. Yeah. And and she didn't know exactly mm-hmm. what. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. I do remember, it's funny what you remember, right? I do remember that day my baby had just started to move Mm. a lot and I was feeling her just flip around inside me, just full of life, you know, that day. Oh my goodness. I think that experience was a little traumatic for everyone in hindsight. Maybe don't get an ultrasound at work, but uh, you know. You didn't know. I mean, you (laughs) You you, didn't know. I mean, you had no idea and you think, you know, it's going to be a fun moment. Um, Exactly. I think, you know, I've seen lots of times like, it, it, like the nurses at work and we'll hop in a room and do an ultrasound. It, it just, you, it's something that, that happens. Yeah. So, you know, I, yeah. 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 And, and it's, it's crazy the way it all works out because my prenatal care, I was actually able to transfer immediately to that doctor who scanned me. Oh. So she only came to our clinic once a week and then the rest of the time she worked at her own group practice. Okay. She's a, um, uh, maternal fetal medicine specialist. Right. So I just had the relationship with her. I transferred my care to her immediately okay. and everything, you know, the ball kind of got rolling much more quickly than it would have gotcha. again if, if I had waited for that anatomy ultrasound. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then what, what happened next? So then all the craziness mm-hmm. started happening. You know, I went from having monthly appointments to 
it felt like almost every day I had an appointment that first week and weekly appointments. I saw everyone. I got everything done. So I got fetal echocardiograms. Uh I had an amniocentesis. Uh Um, I did have some genetic testing, which I hadn't previously, Uh um, because my, just because my insurance hadn't covered it before. Now it did. (laughs) Um, I had genetic counseling. I had, you know, biweekly fetal monitoring. Um, and then I actually met with pediatric surgeons um, all with all within how long uh, you know not not all within that first week but um still pretty yeah for it was a lot uh, yeah pretty quickly they you got <laughs> all of the yeah things. so I think after the, probably the first fetal echo fetal echocardiogram I, is when they determined that my daughter did have tetralogy of Fallot, okay which is um one of the more common um, heart defects. Mm-hmm. It's a series of internal heart defects. Mm-hmm. And she also had pentology of control. Um, I had never a, heard of that. That's, that's the one you got to look up, yes, right? <laughs> I, I had never heard of that. So yeah. what, what is that? So that's a rare, very rare congenital condition um, that can affect multiple organs. And in the very worst case scenarios, babies are born with their organs outside of their bodies. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and we, we were talking about this a little bit. It's I struggle with how much I want to share sure. about my daughter's conditions just because I don't know how she'll feel about having her information out there like that when she's older. So I'll just say that we, we didn't know if these conditions would be compatible with life right. after she was born, right. basically. Right. Right. Uh, in, in the utero, you know, she was doing great. She was thriving, right. kicking me all the oh, time, yes. you know, because she was getting everything she needed. And I was right. able to protect her, but no one was right. quite sure after what would happen after she was born? Gotcha. Expecting parents who are looking for great nursery decor, this message is for you. As you prepare for the beautiful journey ahead, let Home Threads be your partner in creating a serene nest for your growing family. At HomeThreads.com, explore a collection designed for comfort and style during this special time. From cozy nursery essentials to soothing rocking chairs, Home Threads has everything to create the perfect home for your little one and always at the best value. If you like unique items, then you definitely need to check out Home Threads. We got a silver picture frame from Home Threads that is absolutely beautiful. It's one of those timeless classic items that will last for years to come and it fits in any space in your home. Be sure to visit homethreads.com forward slash Dr. Nicole today and receive a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. So then that brings the question, What was there ever a discussion of ending the pregnancy? Yeah, so, you know, we had a big decision to make my husband and I um, Mm -hmm. and I do remember quite clearly that when we officially found out about my baby's diagnoses we had a week before we would hit the legal limit for abortion Mm. in the state of California Mm. so we had a big decision to make and quickly (laughs) yes and let me tell you just to throw it out there I am the most pro-choice person on the planet I believe abortion is health care it's a decision a woman needs to make with her doctor and the government should have no part in regulating it other than to make Absolutely. it accessible. So Absolutely. just that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> right. right. So I was a little surprised at my own reaction then when I started to feel 
just a little angry or a little like hints of despair almost when my own providers started to mention the word termination as mm. a very reasonable option, you know? Right. And right. I had this kind of unreasonable and protective instinct that I wanted to shield my baby f- even from those conversations. I didn't want her to hear huh. me talking about that. Um, right. And for a very brief moment in, you know, I, I was grieving, you know, I, I was, sure. I was in this haze almost. I, for a moment, I questioned if those feelings kind of contradicted my very pro-choice stance. And then right. it kind of hit me. I was pro-choice, you know, and there I was making a choice for myself yes. and my family. And that choice was right for me. Mm-hmm. It may not have been right for someone else and that's okay. Right. Right. And, you know, aside from my really deep intuition that I felt that she would be okay, mm-hmm. there were a lot of other factors that made it possible for me to continue with the pregnancy. Like, for example, I'll just list a few, you know, the yeah. support of my family, the support right. of my partner, right. a stable job, right. and insurance, and right. my health, and no other children or caretaking responsibilities. So mm-hmm. all these things made it possible for us to, you know not only make that choice, but commit to raising this girl and loving her for whatever amount of time we had with her and kind of delving headfirst into the unknown. Right, right, right. I I mean, you just make such a beautiful point that it's about you having the choice and not someone else making the choice for you because- To, if this happened today and you were in Texas, for instance, mm-hmm. you would not have a choice. Exactly. Um, and and that's the part that I hope people understand that it's it's it, this is not a decision that anyone takes lightly. Right. You know, you you don't come to like as you said, you've had some gut reactions that right. were um, strong against it. But I agree very deeply that this is the government has no role in this, as you said, other than to support access um, so that women, people having babies can make the best choices for themselves. Exactly. And, and to that point, having it be my decision and my choice was incredibly powerful and kind of fortifying for my spirit, for Mm -hmm. everything that was to come, you know, being able to say, this is the path that I choose and not having it be made for me or forced upon me you know it really um it really prepared us my husband was saying it kind of and you know it's kind of in the darkest moments we we think about that like you know Mm -hmm. we chose this and we're Mm -hmm. we're grateful for everything that's happened but it it was our choice Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so then you're about halfway through your pregnancy you know that you're going to have a baby that needs complex care after birth so what types of things did you do to prepare or and how did the medical system support right. you or did they? Well, um, I wish I had done more. <laughs> I wish I had done more. Well, also, you know, I have to give my, my previous self a little grace because I was just trying to get through each day, yeah. you know. But, sure. but before I learned about Amaya's conditions, um, I had bought your birth preparation course mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was really enjoying it. Uh, one of my good friends also bought it and she was ah. also pregnant at the same time. So we were kind of <laughs> doing that together. Oh, um, I love it. 
and I hired a doula who okay. was incredible. So you had hired the doula before you found out about yeah. this. Okay. Yeah, you know, this okay. is my field. I was so excited to yeah. be pregnant. Sure, I just, absolutely. I just yeah. wanted to do everything I could and, and yeah. get ready to kind of have a low intervention vaginal delivery, which right. is what I assumed I would have. And right. then when we learned about Amaya... Um, I just kind of stopped with any birth preparation because I was finding it too painful to mm-hmm. even contemplate. And um, and then we did learn it would be a C-section. Um, okay. Because, so Amaya, I'll share, was actually born without a complete sternum. So her heart was um, was unprotected. And ac- mm. after she was born, we saw her her heart beating out of her chest, um, oh covered, covered by a layer of like um, kind of a membrane. So oh they, I know she's incredible. She's, I, I, and, and let me just tell you, she's doing great. I, I don't think I've said that. She's, she's thriving. Right, she's right. on the verge of walking. She's right. talking. Right. Like, right. She's just right. doing so well. So yeah, um, yeah. I kind of forgot to mention that, but, <laughs> 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 but at the time we had no idea. Right. And, and, and anyways, they, they did want to do a C-section because with her heart exposed like that, they didn't want any pressure on sure. her chest. Um, sure. Sure. So after we sure. learned it was a C-section, I, I was like, okay. So I, I did watch the C-section parts on your course, mm-hmm. and I talked to my doula about C-sections, what to expect. Um, and about the doula, you know, I'll just say, like, I had originally wanted a doula for support during labor, mm-hmm. uh, especially as a first-time mom, but she ended up being just the most incredible person to support me through all this hardship and Mm. it was just really nice to have someone like very wise to debrief with after these appointments and also someone who wasn't my husband or my friends or my family sure someone who's very neutral exactly Mm -hmm. so I'm really Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful to her well that's amazing that's amazing now when you met you said you met with the pediatric did you meet with pediatric cardiologist and pediatric surgeons Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. So actually, let me see. We started meeting with a cardiologist when I was pregnant who was doing the fetal echocardiograms. And okay. she is still Amaya's cardiologist. Aww. So yeah. Yeah. So she's seen us through all of this. And right. I ended up meeting with a pediatric surgeon and also a pediatric cardiothoracic surgeon who would both end up operating on her. Okay. I took a tour of the NICU, which... I don't know. I, that was a pretty horrific experience. Uh, just, I don't, I think maybe I shouldn't it's, have done that. <laughs> the NICU, I mean, it's, yeah. I I think we're both having a moment of like having had a child in the mm-hmm. NICU and seeing the other children. It, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I'm having a hard time putting into words. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I, I, it was just like checking off things to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I should take, I should see this. I should mm-hmm. see this. I, I saw mm-hmm. Um, I saw the hospital where I would deliver and it was, so it's, it's right next to the children's hospital. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, because this is going to require some special, you don't find pediatric cardiothoracic surgeries <laughs> everywhere. So I know, um, I know. I mean, did you have to travel any distance or did you happen to be in an area that had those specialties available? We just happened to live in, in this area where we're okay. 25 minutes from this world renowned children's hospital and mm-hmm. it all it all seemed to work out, you know, right. like the, uh, even us moving to San Diego and just yeah. where we're ha- we happen to be right here. And, mm-hmm. but that is a factor, you know, and when we're thinking about if we ever might move in the future, we're not going to be able to move to some small town, you know, we'll, we'll have right. to 
be living fairly close to a, a large hospital and, right, you know, right. for the rest of our life, which is f- totally fine. Sure, 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 sure. So did you, was there ever any attention, attention paid to your mental health during <laughs> this? Yeah, yeah. I, I did find a therapist who, mm-hmm. um, I actually, again, it was COVID. I, I did virtual visits with her, mm. um, not even that frequently, maybe once every few weeks. But that, okay. that was that felt important again to have kind of a neutral third third party. And um, I remember you saying when you when your baby was in the NICU that you gave yourself like a time to cry every day, mm-hmm. and that really <laughs> resonated with me. And that's what I did. Like I, every day, I went to the shower and I knew like, okay, I'm gonna cry, and then. Right. I'm going to come out of the shower and I'm the shower is the best place to cry by the way because right. you can just clean <laughs> just up <laughs> right 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 but yeah that kind of allowed me to just keep you know living my life and and um and showing up for the next appointment and showing up to work I mean I, I, yeah. I kept working through this time too and yeah I, th- I think people were quite concerned but it, it was, the attention was all on the baby, you know, mm-hmm. as prenatal care is kind of focused mm-hmm. it's on the baby. So mm-hmm. I'm really lucky to have kind of, you know, amazing family, amazing friends, really wonderful built-in network that I, that I relied on. Um, but it, you know, I, it was a horrible time of life. I, I was <laughs> grieving. I was crying every day. I had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, mm-hmm. It was hard. I, I do remember I, I really debated on if I should get um, pregnancy pictures done, which is something oh, I had wow. wanted to do. Right. But I was right. like, gosh, I feel like I'm in this grieving period. But I ended up doing those pictures. And uh-huh. thank goodness I did because I treasure those pictures. And I think, you know, even even if things hadn't gone the way they did, even if we had lost my baby like we were fearing, I, I think I still would have treasured those pictures. yeah. Yeah, um, I'm, that's great that you, you know, ended up coming to that. Actually, data kind of shows that most people, even when they know that they're going to lose a baby or if the baby passes away, that they actually do appreciate having those photos. Mm-hmm. Um, they can help in the healing process. Some people Absolutely. think it's like, oh, strange. Why would you want photos of your baby after they pass away? But it can actually be really helpful absolutely um, yeah, yeah 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 and yeah. I treasure those I was just looking at them with with mm-hmm. uh, my daughter the other day I was like there you are in mommy's tummy <laughs> and she was like hmm like not too sure about that but <laughs> like, I don't know about that okay if you say oh, so no. mommy <laughs> it's pretty weird <laughs> oh goodness all right so you knew that you were going to have a cesarean you said that you also did a birth plan so what yeah. were some of the things that you put in your birth plan for your cesarean yeah so we did make a birth plan that our doula helped us write um, mm-hmm. and that was such an amazing um, kind of service she provided I didn't even know where to start I know mm-hmm. there's lots of resources and you have resources but I again just wasn't in the headspace it, and it's different it's 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 gonna be different right than, yeah right yeah. so yeah. we included things like um, you know, it, um, if it's safe and the baby doesn't need immediate support, please let me hold her for as long as possible before she's mm. taken to the NICU. Sure. Um, or we had things like, you know, because we were worried about her survival, please help us with any memory making when she's stable, like making footprints or mm. letting us give her a sponge bath. And, right. 
Right. And then for me, I, I requested, you know, immediate support, um, like lactation support, mm-hmm. even though I, I am actually, I, I do breastfeeding support at work. I'm a breastfeeding educator, but right. you still, you still it, need the support. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> yes. And I was so grateful to the lactation consultants who, who helped me in the hospital. Right. So it also, this is kind of a funny thing. I, I had requested on my birth plan for only kind of, um, essential, talk to take place during my uh-huh. C-section. And that's right. something my doula had suggested, which is something I never would have thought of. But right. it sounded reasonable to only have kind of, um, you know, the necessary chit-chat. Sure. And Dr. Rankins, when these doctors were sewing me up after my C-section, after the baby had been taken right. to the NICU, they just started talking to each other about their weekend plans. Oh, my God. <laughs> but you know what? I was so grateful to have that background noise because it let me know that I was okay. Uh, you know, if, if they had just been sewing silently uh-huh. and I didn't have my baby there, I didn't have my right. husband there because right. he, he went to the NICU. Right. I, I think if it had been silence, I, I would have been pretty freaked out so it was oddly comforting so thank goodness they didn't read that part of my birth plan (laughs) (laughs) that is funny that yeah and you know I probably various things on my birth plan didn't really go they I don't know how much they they read it there was a lot going on that day as you can imagine but yeah it was really important for me to write and for my husband and I to um kind of have that internal clarity about Mm -hmm. our wishes Mm -hmm. um Mm-hmm. Even if even if it didn't happen a hundred percent, yeah. So I yeah. highly recommend that for for everyone. So I guess it. it so did did the two of you take it upon yourselves to kind of think through different scenarios and what you might want to do or not do and how things transpired? Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we wanted quality of life for our mm-hmm. baby, right? So if they had told us, you know, she would just have a incredibly poor quality of life, then we probably would have made a different decision. It's funny because the the doctor who did my amniocentesis, I was talking to her about that. I made that exact point. And she, this, this like haunts me because she told me, well, you know, you have to think about what quality of life it would be for a baby to be in the hospital for months at a time. And I was like, oh gosh, you're right. And you know what? Our baby has been in the hospital for months at a time. And actually, most recently, she had a surgery two months ago, her second open heart surgery. And we were in the hospital for 40 days, 40 days and 40 nights Mm. (laughs) Um, because she did have some post-op complications. And so it is, it's hard, you know, It, it hasn't, there have been times of her life that have been really challenging. You know, mm-hmm. she's been through so much already mm-hmm. in her little life. So, mm-hmm. but you know, here she is, like she's in the next room. She's playing with my husband, right? you right. know, she's right. eating, she's going to the park. So right. I, I think, I, I think it's all been worth it. I, I know yeah. it's all been worth it. Sure. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So was your C-section itself pretty straightforward? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty straightforward. I, I mean, other than I would just couldn't stop sobbing, which I, <laughs> I wish that I had kind of been able to be a little more stoic, but I was just, I had just kind of lost it by that point, And I was crying. Yeah, and, you know, you, you felt how you felt in, yeah. the, in the moment. It's, yeah. so, it's so, I, I, I don't, everybody, you know, every birth experience, every, I hope we all give ourselves some grace to, you just feel what you feel in the moment and yeah. you, you go with it. I mean, that it, you that that was a lot that you had to manage and everything was kind of 
like this was the big moment where you were going to find out, right. you know, what your baby looked like. So right. I can, I can totally, totally yeah. see that. But everyone, yeah. everyone was really kind. I have, mm. you know, really empathetic. Um, we met the, um, the NICU resuscita- resuscitation team. Uh-huh. So they were the two people who were going to be in charge that that baby made it from the women's hospital to the NICU at the hospital next door. Right. And they were just the most kind women I think I have ever met. I, I've mm-hmm. only seen them that one time. I wish yeah. I could even remember their names because right. they were just like angels. Right. right. Yeah. The, the, the doctor who did my C-section, I, I had met him once previously. Okay. I kind of, I had requested to meet him and he kind of popped out. Um, into one of my other appointments and I just said hi and you know right. he was he was nice <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> you know he was nice and he's talented and right. Um, right yeah I didn't have like much of a relationship with sure. him but it's okay sure. it all it all seemed to happen pretty quickly gotcha gotcha and were you full were you full term Oh, I was 38 weeks. Okay. Um, at the very end of my pregnancy, um, they did diagnose um, IUGR, intrauterine growth restriction. Okay. okay. So she was she was born small. She was born at five pounds, um, but up until the very end, she had been growing pretty well. Sure. So, anyways, okay. that's why they wanted to um, do it to a deliver little bit at 30 we- 38 weeks yeah. and. Um, yeah, it, I was surprised. I know everyone says that you can still feel things when you're mm-hmm. getting your C-section done. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised how much I could feel. Not pain, mm-hmm. right? But it just felt like someone's like shaking you. Or It is a very odd sensation. It's weird. Because it's very strange. things are happening to your body, but you have no it's like what what's going on like something's happening yeah 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 yeah. I didn't I didn't want to see um you know I know that's an option for like gentle Mm c-sections to kind of but I just I just didn't want to see yeah and yeah after after the c-section the they they took the baby away immediately and kind of checked her out and my husband was with her but they did bring her back to me briefly so she got to lay on my chest for I don't know five or ten seconds okay I was like I, I wish I had been able to kind of enjoy that moment more, right. but I, I was, I was kind of like, you guys need to get her out of here. Like, <laughs> you guys need to go make sure she's okay right. and right. take her to the NICU. Right. And right. yeah, right. we, we have a few photos that my husband snapped where I, they're just the most horrific photos. I'm just like crying and bright red, and <laughs> but I did get to see her before okay. she was, before she was taken away. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode, and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. 
So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the all about pregnancy and birth community. Now back to the show. And what was your physical recovery like from the C-section? Yeah, I mean, C-sections are no joke, as as we know, mm-hmm. as you know. Um, it the the first day I felt fine, and I was, hmm, I was just so happy that first day that my baby had survived. You know, because right. my worst fear. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry. No. <sighs> yeah, my worst fear is that she wouldn't have made it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> So I was just so happy that she had she had survived her birth right. and that she was um, she was safe in the NICU yes. and she was stable. You know, yes. my husband was over there sending me pictures and sending right. me videos. So. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so I felt I felt happy that first day, and my mom was with me, and I think I was a little loopy from all the drugs, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was just I, I felt fine. I started um, pumping immediately. Mm-hmm. Did you have any challenges with pumping? Yeah, I think I, I always um, had a little bit of an undersupply, and um, I, I think the stress really affected me. So, so that first day I, I felt good, right? But right. the second day, then the pain starts to really hit mm-hmm. you. I had a really bad reaction to the opioids. Oh. I, I just did not like the way they made me feel uh-huh. at all. Right. So I opted for like what is it? Tylenol and ibuprofen uh-huh. kind of alternating. Right. So I just did that and I was in a lot of pain and and I think that pain um affected my milk supply mm-hmm. and and not being next to my baby and mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. I was just tired. So I know you're supposed to wake up every two or three hours and pump, but I I I just wanted to rest a little yeah. bit. And I you know, it's not like you're breastfeeding a cuddly baby. It's yeah. like, okay, here goes you my alarm and I slap those things on. Slap yeah. those yes. things on. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but but all that said, I, I actually I am still pumping a year okay. and a half later. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> I know. And my baby breastfed for a while. Mm-hmm. Um but then after her her first surgery, when she was two and a half months old, she lost all feeding skills and was fed with uh, exclusively by a feeding tube for a mm, while. And okay. Then we had to just focus on kind of her bottle skills. Right. I had to fortify my breast milk anyways because she needed more calorie dense. Yeah. She needed yeah. small volumes and high calories. So uh-huh. I ended up going the route of exclusively pumping, which I never would have imagined for myself. Right. But right. You know, it, you, it is what it is. You go with the flow and, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, st- I'm, you know, I'm pumping a little bit here and there. I, I, I give it to her like a, a daily little vitamin shot. It gotcha. Feels like gotcha. I, gotcha. I'm ready to stop. I think I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I can't quite let go of it. It's just in my routine now. Yeah, I mean, plenty of people pump two years, three years, yep. even some. Yep. So, you know, you'll you'll stop yep. when you're ready to stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, how long was she? You said she's been in the hospital a couple of times, but how was it in that initial period of like when you leave the hospital and you leave without your baby? <sighs> yeah, it was it was horrible, you know, although because we were expecting maybe even the worst mm-hmm. case scenario, it also mm-hmm. felt good. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like oh, our baby's here, our baby's right. safe. Right. That that second day. 
you know, I, I said uh, the first day I was feeling good. The second day I started to feel a lot more pain. But the mm-hmm. second day I was able to go visit my baby for okay. the fr- and kind of meet her for the first time. And right. those two hospitals, the women's hospital and the children's hospital, are right next door. Uh-huh. They're only a 10-minute walk if you're walking briskly. But okay. if you're in a wheelchair uh-huh. recovering from a C-section, <laughs> um, it mm. took a long time. It took maybe a half an hour to get over there because my husband had to push me just so gently. Right. And I just felt every little bump in the road and that wheelchair and um so I was able to start visiting her that second day but I had to get back to my hospital every three hours for my pain medicine which I really needed they wouldn't give it to me to take on the road so I had really brief visits with her you know I could be over there for maybe an hour and a half before I had to go back and the the journey over there was just was really painful physically yeah. so that that was really hard I, I was feeling really depressed then because I was like I, I was weighing the pain of my yeah. c-section versus spending an extra hour that, in the hospital what, with my baby and that, I have never thought about that wow. yeah I, I wish maybe I had pressed them more like look just yeah. give me some Tylenol for the road or maybe yeah. I just should have I mean, taken it's tal- it from, like it's Tylenol like I, it's Tylenol I, I can yeah. Go get, yeah 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 I don't know why I, I and I was just I was just worried. I was like, oh, I better get back so they can sure, check me. And sure, sure. I mean, so, well, you shouldn't have to press it. I mean, really, we should by default think we should be thinking through these things. I don't think these are things mm-hmm. that we think through with like in a logical kind of way sometimes. We're just so like, yeah. you have to get the medicine and this and that. And we, yeah. we need to be a bit more flexible about I, things. I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. But I, I think now I would definitely know how to advocate for myself mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. at that time I really didn't I was just kind of getting by you know um but that was hard so I I, I forget how long I stayed in the hospital maybe four days uh-huh. and those were horrible four days because oh. each day I would go over painfully try to see my baby try to breastfeed a little bit right and then just have to go back right. and then my husband would stay with my baby so I was feeling really lonely Uh, I mean my my I had some family members come to visit which was really nice but yeah those those days really sucked so your question about leaving the hospital I was actually so relieved to get out of Mm -hmm. there and go to my own bed Mm -hmm. be at home Mm -hmm. and then we could drive to the hospital and just I would load up on all my pain medication and snacks and everything and I would just stay there with her Mm -hmm. so it was actually kind of a relief to to leave the hospital okay Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And what was what was it like with the NICU staff and the nurses and things like that? Yeah. The NICU staff are amazing. I as mean, you they know. just are. They're amazing. <laughs> like, they are just some of the most like amazing people. They're angels. Yes. NICU you nurses know. are just I think it's a calling, really. I mean it really and no and no no shade to neonatologist physicians I mean I don't know how it was with you like I would see them for a hot second but it was those NICU nurses who would like really be with you and like hey come do this with your baby or hey come so I don't know what your experience was like they taught us how to be parents it felt like you know like they taught me how to give my baby a bath yes. for the first time and yes. I remember my husband and I were being so gentle like just <laughs> barely wanting to touch her with the sponge and the nurse was like no get in there you yes. know you gotta clean your baby and, um yeah you know all and all that said I will say they're they are human 
uh-huh. these nurses. Because uh-huh. sometimes we we really think they're like superhumans, which they are, but they have multiple patients yeah, and they, they have long hours. Right. So right. I will say, you know, there there also is some human error that and mm. you do kind of have to watch out for that and right. you have to be in the advocate for your baby. And, right. Right. But right. it's especially in that those first few weeks, they they were just incredible. They were so supportive of me breastfeeding and just I got free meals there because I was breastfeeding. Mm. So I just felt like really taken care of by um, by the staff there. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So is there anything as we wrap up that you would say about this postpartum period or the, you know, since she's been born, I feel like the postpartum actually lasts forever. Like after you have a child, you're forever changed, but 100%. in the first, yes, in these first 18 months of her, you said 18 months, right? Of her of yeah, her life. I forget. Like, I forget the, the months, but yeah, around that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so, what, you know, is there anything in particular that, that stands out for you? Yeah, gosh, so many things. Um, you know, I mentioned briefly that we, she just had her second open heart surgery mm-hmm. um, a few months ago. And that is not an experience I would have wished on my worst enemy because mm. it, it's so much harder now to have a, a toddler in the hospital mm-hmm. when she was a tiny baby she didn't care who was holding her I mean she she preferred mom yeah. probably yeah. but anyone yeah. could hold her yeah. now that she's a year and a yeah. half she yeah. wants mom and dad and she yeah. doesn't want anything to do with anyone else so yeah. that it's been it's been traumatic quite frankly, you know, mm. for our whole family it's been, and, and for her. And I think we're going to be helping her to recover from all this medical trauma for a long time. Mm. And I just, um, I guess, you know, my, 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 uh, purpose or my goal of going on this podcast was maybe to, to help any other moms who might be in other situations or similar situations or anyone going through a high risk pregnancy. So I just, if it's okay, I'll speak right to those high risk pregnancy moms. Like, I just want to tell you that you're not alone. You know, congenital heart disease affects one in a hundred births. And that's just one of many reasons a pregnancy could be high risk. So you're not alone. I would say, you know, if you have the capacity, try to find people who have been through something similar, even if it's an online community, um, because no one else is going to understand unless they've been through something, something similar. So um, that said, you need to also let your friends and family be there for you, even if they don't fully understand. And, you know, try to find some moments of joy in your pregnancy. Don't feel guilty if you're feeling happy one day. Just let that feeling wash over you. Um, yeah. And then finally you know, you will transform into a stronger version of yourself through this experience mm. because I certainly have. So even if it feels like you're breaking, you know, you're just getting stronger. It's It's been the fight of my life advocating for my daughter through mm. my pregnancy and her surgeries and especially this most recent one and kind of shepherding her through all her therapies and all these appointments and, you know, things we'll have to, to deal with that other families don't for the rest of her life. But that experience of kind of you know, opening my heart enough just to fill her up with enough love to get her right. through all of this, um, right. it's it's been a right. great fight. And the thing about great fights is that they're transformational. And mm. I am transformed, you know, into a stronger woman and to by being her mom and by being her advocate. And I'm stronger for it. And I'm proud of myself and proud of my family. And, 
you know, whatever happens in your high risk pregnancy or with your baby, it, you, you will be stronger for it. Mm, I, I love that. Thank, thank you so much. That just touched, touched my heart for sure. And you have touched the heart of someone out there listening as, as well. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. So where can women connect with you? You can say nowhere if the answer is nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big social media person, so okay. I would say my email. <laughs> you know, I don't want you to say it because people, it'll get scraped by like, You'll start getting spam because okay. they'll pick up. Yeah. So if anyone wants to contact you, can they message? They can message me, and we can put you in contact with Charlotte if you're interested. Absolutely. And then we actually have kept a blog where we we write about our experiences oh, with yeah. the baby. I would say if you want access to that, you can write me and tell me a little bit about yourself, and then I'll, I'll give you the link. So okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I really, really appreciate you. Sharing your story. Thank you so much. It was a privilege, and thank you again for all of your work. Wasn't that a really powerful episode? I'm so grateful that Charlotte reached out to share her birth story and that we were able to share that with you today. Now, after every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes, which are my top takeaways from the conversation. And here are my Dr. Nicole's Notes from my conversation with Charlotte. I have to emphasize again that the government has no right deciding what you should do about your pregnancy. That is a decision that you should be able to make with uh, the people who are important to you, whether it's your partner or your family. Uh, with your doctor. This is not something that the government should be a part of. This is a very personal decision and the government has no right to, to be in it. The second thing that I want to point out is she talked about how there's just a lot of attention paid on the baby during pregnancy. And I agree. We don't pay enough attention to the person growing the baby. I have said this before and I will say it again and again and again. The most important part of having a healthy baby is having a healthy mother, healthy parent, both physically and mentally. So as the saying goes, put your own oxygen mask on, definitely take care of yourself, whether it is during your pregnancy, after your baby is born, the best way to have a healthy child is to have a healthy mother. So please take the time to take care of yourself. It is not being selfish to put your needs first. You being in a great state, both physically and mentally, is going to be the best thing to help your child be healthy physically and mentally. And then the final thing I'll say is that after we stopped recording, Charlotte mentioned some resources that she really wanted to share that were helpful for her during her pregnancy journey. Two of them came from episodes of this podcast. One is episode 74 of the podcast with Parajat Deshpande. Parajat uh, helps folks who have high-risk pregnancy. She has a book and Charlotte ended up reading her book. Her website is parajatdeshpande.com and we'll drop that link into the show notes or you can check out the episode of her birth story where she shares her preterm birth. That's episode 74 of the podcast, drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 74. So it's episode spelled out and then seven four. Another resource that she found helpful was episode 76 of the podcast where I had Dr. Terry Major Kincaid on. She is a neonatologist 
And I can't tell you how many people have come back and told me that they found this episode helpful, even though they didn't realize that they would need it at the time. This is a great episode. If there's any suspicion at all that your baby may need to be in the NICU, or even if after your baby, or even if once your baby is in the NICU after birth, you know, pop this episode into your ears. It's just some great questions to ask to help you best advocate for your baby while your baby's in the NICU. That's Dr. Terry Major Kincaid. And her website is drterrymd.com. We'll link that in the show notes. And the episode is episode 76, drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 76. And then the final thing that she mentioned, a book, which is uh, I'm not familiar with, it's called Like a Mother. And it's written by Angela Garbs. She also found that book helpful as well. And just a description of the book, it's a candid feminist and personal deep dive into the science and culture of pregnancy and motherhood. All right. So there you have it. That's it for this episode. Do me a solid share it with a friend. Sharing is caring, helps me to reach and serve more folks and live out my passion and purpose of uh, helping pregnant folks have that beautiful birth experience they deserve. Also subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now. Feel free to leave a review and Apple podcast. I read those reviews. I love to hear what you think about the show or you can reach out to me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. Um, let me know what you think. I really, really love it. So many of y'all reach out and send me DMs about specific episodes or the podcast in general. And I mean it when I say it warms my heart, truly, truly warms my heart. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.